Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. What does God say about our bodies? If you end up reading the Bible, you're going to find out that God actually says a lot about our bodies, but you might be confused because the world, the media, and the things we watch, the things we listen to, actually says some confusing things about our body. Um, one, there are several uh, worldviews out there, and uh, only one is actually true. Uh, my problem is sometimes I have a tendency to combine a little bit of a lie with truth, or a little bit of truth with a lie. But what we believe about the body reveals what we believe about what God says and who God is. What we believe about our bodies and how we treat them, how we use them, reveals what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about who the church should be, what we believe about what the Bible says. It, what we do with our bodies and what we think about our bodies reveals what we think um, and what we think God says about sex and gender and uh, life and death, even aging. How we feel about our bodies and what we think about our bodies and what we think God says about our bodies actually impacts a lot of our life. There are some lies out there. There are all some lies out there. And you tell me if you've heard some of these lies. Now, there's a danger to the lies that we sometimes incorporate. One of the lies, one of the lies that is out there that a lot of people get involved in and they'll say something like, and this is kind of the, falls on the atheist side of the lies, the people who don't believe in God. They'll say something like, my body is just a clump of cells. After I die, there is nothing else. There's just darkness. And nothing I do with my body matters except whether I feel good or feel bad. Now that is one bleak existence. I'm not really sure how anybody actually lives out that lifestyle or lives out that worldview and has anything but depression their whole life. That is a worldview though, that's out there. There's another worldview that's a lie out there that says my body doesn't really matter, what truly matters is my soul, my person, the way I think. This kind of body-soul or body-person separation is a lie that is out there um, and only what matters is the way my feelings affect me. Again, you, you end up in the same place. I'm going to do what feels good in the moment. But that's also a lie. And if we live out either one of those lies, it's dangerous because it will lead to destruction. But there is something I had never really considered. I'd never really considered it before. Um, that if we live out a lie like this, either one of those lies, we are actually... Well, let me read the passage of Scripture. It's, it's, I never thought about this before, uh, before today. Like, I've thought about it, but it, I never put it into words. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 25 through 26 is talking about how we should pray for our opponents and we should try to pursue holiness and maybe even uh, know the truth. Verse 25 says, maybe we can get to God's truth. And verse 26 says, Hopefully, they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. I never thought about 
If I live in a lie, I'm actually doing the will and work of Satan. Isn't that something? I never thought about that. So it's kind of important that we should know what truth is. And the truth can set us free. The truth allows us to live for God, and the truth allows us to live in the most healthy way possible. Some people don't want to live a healthy way. Some people want to live a life of destruction. I understand that, but we pray for those people. We pray for those people. So what does God say about our bodies? They asked Jesus that question. Now, they were talking about something else, but Jesus answers it in a way that we can understand where to look and what to know about our bodies. In chapter 19 of Matthew, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they were trying to trap him. Um, the Pharisees had one uh, Pharisee, one instructor of the law, that would teach something like, don't ever get divorced for any reason um, because it, God hates divorce. And then they had another teacher of the law, a Pharisee, that would say stuff like, you can get divorced if your wife burns the toast. Just whatever you don't like about her, that's how you can get rid of her. And they were trying to trap him to see where he stood on this. And they came to him and they said, Jesus, what, what do you think about this? Matthew chapter 19 is where this conversation happens. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And then Jesus says something pretty profound. He's talking about their conversation, but he's actually giving us a, a clue on how to determine what God says, what truth is about our bodies. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then they asked him the question, well, why didn't Moses allow us to divorce? And Jesus said, well, something broke with inside of you. Sin caused you to have hard hearts and want divorce. You, you guys are broken, which is why Moses allowed for divorce, but that's not God's original plan. He said, from the beginning, go back to the beginning, is where you'll find God's standard for marriage. But if we look a little closer, he actually says, if you go back to the beginning, you're going to find God's standard for truth about our bodies. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the Creator made them? male and female. At the very beginning is when God established the standard for truth about what our bodies are, how he designed them, why he made them, and maybe even the truth behind the purpose of our bodies. So we need to look at the beginning to see what God says about our bodies. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Now, maybe you all have had some of these conversations about body and gender too, or maybe you've gotten into arguments on Facebook, or maybe you've been shocked by hearing that some people would say something like, well, I'm not really my body and I can be whatever I want, insofar as they would do um, surgery to make their bodies fit with their feelings. I, I want to maybe counter that. With something that God says and does in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 and 2 describe the creation of the world, and God is not necessarily giving us the science how, but he is giving the purpose why he does it. In Genesis chapter 1, God is revealing to all the peoples around him that he is the creator. I love how he battles against the culture of the, the Hebrew day. When they were writing this, they were battling cultures. Um, 
when Moses was writing the scripture out for the Hebrew people, they had been living in the culture of Egypt. Egypt would say something like, out of the, the whirling mass of chaos and evil waters rose our God, the land. And they worshiped the land as a God. And then they would say something like, that God land created animals and people. But Genesis counteracts that. God just speaks land into existence. And the Egyptians would have to read that and be like, whoa, this God is even over our main God. And the, the uh, Hebrew people would also have to battle against the, um, the Babylonians. And they had this creation story where their God rose up out of the sea, this great serpent, and was destructive and mean, but her children, her child, Marduk, cut his mom in half and made the sky and the land out of her body and then took her blood and created humans. And this worldview said, you know, whoever is the strongest, whoever can destroy is the one who's going to rule. And it's all about destruction and death. That's what life is about. But God's creation story battled that. He said, no, no, no. God created the heavens and the earth. And he didn't do it out of destruction. He did it out of love and with a purpose. So God created the heavens and the earth. He created the water to be separated. He didn't do it through destruction and death. He just spoke it into existence. He created the land to separate from the water. And then with these places that he created, and he's creating order, and he's giving order to creation, he creates objects to rule over those created bodies. So in the sky, he creates the objects, the sun and the moon. Well, the Egyptians and the Babylonians, they're scratching their head. They're like, whoa, the God that we worship, the sun, that is something another God made. And then he created birds to rule over the air and fish to rule over the sea. And then he put animals on the land. But then he did something incredible. The very last part of creation, he created humans, people. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The first truth that we need to understand about our bodies is that God created our bodies and he did so with purpose. He created our bodies on purpose, with purpose. God created us in his image and likeness. No other being, no other part of creation was made in the image of God. So if we want to understand the truth about our bodies and the truth about ourselves, we need to understand a little bit about who God is. And how we see ourselves determines what we believe and think about God. But if God created us in his image, we have to think about, well, who is this God? God is love. And if he created us in his image, then we are created with a purpose of revealing love. 
God brings order to creation. And if we're created with a purpose, that means part of our purpose is to help order creation and get rid of chaos. God rules over all of the earth, and then he creates humankind and gives them the purpose to actually rule over his creation. After he created them, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the whole earth and subdue it. If we're made in his image, we start bringing order to what is out there. We have a reason we're created. We have a purpose we're created. And God made us. This, this is profound thinking. In Genesis chapter 2, it kind of like is when you take a map on your, on your smartphone and you, if you pinch the map down, the map gets smaller. Did you know you can do this? But if you spread your fingers on your map, the map increases inside and you can look with more detail. In Genesis chapter 2, it's like God did the spread version on creation. He wanted us to see a little bit more closely about how God is doing this and why God is doing this. So in chapter 1, he creates us in his image for a reason, for a purpose. It's the only part of creation in his image. In chapter 2, he said, let's get a little closer and see a little bit more about this because I want you to know truth about your bodies. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 It said, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. I think it's significant that all other parts of creation, God speaks into existence. All other animals, he just said, let the land produce the vegetation, let the land produce the animals. I speak into existence birds, I speak into existence sea creatures, but for man, I'm going to take a hands-on approach, and I'm going to leave my imprint on him by forming him out of the dust of the ground. He could have just spoke man into existence, but he said he formed us. And then I want you to notice, he didn't create a soul and then find a container to put the soul in. He created the body and then breathed life into the body. This is, this blows our mind if we haven't been thinking about this or if we've been living one of the two lies that says our body is all we are or our person, our soul is all we are. When we start reading the creation account and realize the truth is we are a body-soul composite. God breathed life into our body. He animates our body. We are our body. Our body is not all we are, but is intrinsic to who we are. If you go out those doors and you get attacked by the drug addict that sometimes circles our parking lot during church, you wouldn't charge him with property damage, if he broke your nose, you would charge him to assault of your person. Your body is who you are. If you hurt your body, you hurt. Your body is who you are. And it's not all of who you are, but it is who you are. And God breathed life into your body. God created your body with a purpose and on purpose. 
I love how the psalm, chapter 139, David describes this. He says, he's describing poetically what happened. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Does anybody in here knit? Does anybody do that? I do not knit. You knit? Every stitch handmade, isn't it? Every stitch on purpose. What happens if you mess up a stitch? Pull it out and redo it, right? Listen, listen how, how David describes how we are made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God designed you with this painstaking care, every molecule of your body put there by him. Now, this makes me scratch my head when I start thinking about this. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I was just reading this article, uh, Jonah Hill, he's an actor, comedian, and Jonah Hill, as he got famous, he was a overweight actor, and he was a comedian, and he would sometimes use his over, being overweight as part of his comedic effect. And then over the last five or six years, he's been battling weight problems. He's tried to lose weight, and he's gained weight, and he's lost weight, and he's gained, and, and, uh, and he just wrote the other day, he said, please stop talking about my body. He said, it doesn't help me. It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me feel good if you compliment me on my weight loss. It doesn't make me feel good if you make fun of me for my weight gain. Please, just please stop talking about my body. And Jonah Hill has said in interviews, and he's gotten very uncomfortable, he said, I hate discussing my body. And then this, this was profound. This, this is what hurt my heart for him. He said it took him till he was 30 years old to be able to take his shirt off and go swimming in public because he was so ashamed of his body. You know, I, I think our bodies sometimes bring up shame within us. And I think we struggle with a lot of complex emotions about our bodies. Sometimes we feel good about our bodies and sometimes we don't feel good about our bodies. Sometimes we're ashamed of our bodies. Sometimes we're proud of our bodies. Sometimes we're mad that our bodies are not functioning the way we want them to be, and we're not all that we think we could be, or we're not all that we used to be because of our bodies. And yet God designed your body exactly how he wanted your body to be. Even with our imperfections, we can praise God that he knit us together and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I heard one author, Sam Alberry, he uh, wrote a book trying to help people discover what God says about the body. And he said, imagine if I made a meal for you and it's a seven course meal and it's the best I could ever do. And as I'm working, I end up smelling something burning and it's the meat, and I burn the meat a little bit. It's still edible, but it's not how I wanted it to be. And I bring it out, and we eat it, and nobody asked me for the recipe, but it was still handmade, and it was a gift to you. And, you know, you were satisfied, although it wasn't as perfect as it could be. He said the opposite is just as true, but 
uh, less likely. Imagine I cook a seven-course meal and everything turns out right and you're perfectly satisfied and that was the recipe you want to try out for your family. He said, both are created by me and given to you as a gift. And even with the imperfections, it's still handmade gift to you, designed by me. And he said, can't you imagine God creating us and designing us exactly how he wants us to be? And even with what we consider our imperfections, we can say we are fearfully and wonderfully made. This is the truth we must start living in. God designed you. He made you. And he did it for a purpose. There, there, there was something that went wrong, and it did affect our bodies and I think that's why some people, some people fantasize about living in a different body or exchanging this body for another one. Getting rid of the body where I just have to be my soul or exchanging our body for a new body that I think would fit me better. I think that's why some people imagine that because there has been something that has gone wrong with our bodies but it wasn't because God designed it that way. There is a thing in the world called sin. Sin affects the way we think, the way we understand truth, and even our bodies. When Adam and Eve, who were designed by God to be in a relationship with God and have a ruling relationship over his creation and have a good relationship with their children and other people, when they left and rebelled against God's life, life-giving, when God said everything is good, you can have everything you want, but I'm going to set up some healthy boundaries for you. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Somehow they got in their mind that God was holding something back, that God was holding something out on them. And if only they could eat that tree from the tree of knowledge, good, and evil, then they would be made like God. Well, that act of rebellion broke the world with sin. And everything was impacted by it, including our bodies. So if you have some complex emotions about your bodies, or you have some complex experiences with your bodies where you haven't been always living in purpose and on purpose with God, and you haven't always considered your body as a gift from God, and you haven't always thought about how you were fearfully and wonderfully made, there's a reason for that, those experiences. But don't take your experience and don't take your feelings to determine what truth is. Look to what God says about our bodies to determine your truth. He created you fearfully and wonderfully made. Even with your imperfections, you are designed by God and you are his. So, what are we here for? Well, Adam and Eve, they were supposed to bring order to chaos like God. They were supposed to reveal love like God. They blew it. They rebelled against God. And then every subsequent generation after that has experienced the effects of sin since Adam and Eve. And so we needed somebody, a new Adam, to show us how to live 
and even how to use our bodies. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. Jesus Christ became a body. Now, God could have just spoke Jesus' body into existence, and he could have appeared as a 30-year-old man ready to gather his disciples and explain the kingdom of God and show us how to live, but Jesus became human. And to become human, he had to become a body. And he had to become human and experience every temptation that we've experienced. He had to become a baby in the womb. His body, his person, fearfully and wonderfully knitted together by God the Father. Jesus had to grow up in that body We don't imagine this very often, but Jesus had to learn to be potty trained because he was in a body. He just didn't automatically know how to use the bathroom. Can you imagine baby Jesus wobbling as he learned to take his first steps? Can you imagine, and this I can't imagine, I don't even think I want to imagine, can you imagine Jesus growing up and going through puberty? Jesus lived and is human. And you can't take away his body and him still be human. And then Hebrews chapter 9 says, well, let me, let, me, let me say something else first. He lives in the way we were supposed to live, always listening to the Father, always obeying the Father, always revealing the Father to us, bringing order to evil chaos, showing us how to do that with his body, his person. And then, this is amazing to me, and it's something we need to think about. Only our bodies can reveal the invisible. Jesus reveals God to us. How? In his body. Jesus reveals the love of God to us. How? By sacrificing his body. How do you show love to others? If you think about it, because there's lots of ways to show love. Like, I love when people show me love with straight cash, homie. You want to show me love? Give me some money. That's not real love. You know what real love is? Being there for somebody. Isn't that what real love is? When you're joyful and they're around to help you celebrate, or when you're sad and they're around to comfort you. Isn't that love? Well, how do you show it? You show it with your body. You show up by being there. Even if you want to give gifts You have to take your body and go get the gift and then bring it to the person. Somehow, some way, you have to use your body to make it happen. How does Jesus show us what love is? While we were still sinners, separated from God in our brokenness and in our wrong way of thinking, Jesus died for us. Hebrews chapter 9 says he saved us by his own blood. 
is the blood of his body. And then, this, this will blow your mind if you've never thought about this. When he rose from the dead, he was given a new body. When he ascended into heaven, he kept that body. When we arrive in heaven, we are going to see Jesus in a body. It is a forever body. There is a very real human sitting at the right hand of God. His name is Jesus. And we think our bo- some, some think our bodies are not important. When we resurrect from the dead, because we have faith in Jesus, we will be given some kind of body. Can you imagine being yourself with no character flaws? Can you imagine being in your own body with no imperfections? Can you imagine being in your body not ashamed or having complex emotions that sway you from the truth? Can you imagine a new body? It's hard for me to imagine. And yet that's the promise Jesus gives us in his body. As we continue this series on the body over the next several weeks, we're going to explore what God says, who Jesus is, what God says about marriage, what God says about gender, what God says about sexuality, because it all concerns the body. But for today, I want you to know that God made you for a purpose, and he made your body for you to use for his glory. And then Jesus showed us how to use our bodies to give God glory. Jesus used his body to sacrificially love people. And that's what we're called to do, to act like Jesus. Let me read you a passage that explains that. Uh, Philippians chapter uh, 2 does a good job. There's some other passages too, but I'm going to do this one first. I don't know if I'll do another one. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm almost there. I know, I should have marked it. I'm almost there. Ephesians, Philippians. This is Paul talking. He said, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. This is how Jesus lived. He looked to the interest of others. He did that in his body. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant by being made into a body. He is his body. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We're called to sacrificially love using our bodies. It helps bring order to chaos, it helps reveal who God is, and it helps us live like Christ, all in our bodies. 
we want to help you take your next best step. If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a Connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining.